Welcome to Trapping Inc. Scuttlebutt Podcast. I'm Rich. I'm Sandy. And our guest today is Jeff Haggerty, the man behind Hags of Brackets and J3 Outdoors. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you very much, Rich. Thank you for having me. We and are. thank you, Sandy. Well, you're very welcome. We're pleased as punch to have you here today. And it's, it's nice at this central location that we can uh, get to know so many people that are... Um, there you go. You just had, had the lasso around your microphone. Oh, well, it's good. I was just saying that it's good to see so many people because lots of times we don't have an opportunity. So when we come to something like this, it's great. We are at the 59th uh, National Tarpons Association Convention, and we are in Escanaba, Michigan. And today it actually looks like uh, home. It's cool Feels out like there. Home. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a nice day. Little damp. I won't be uh, quite so stifled when we go to watch some of the um, demonstrations that we're going to see later today. But Jeff, um, your J3 Outdoors and the Hags Bracket in particular is uh, really interesting to us and we've been using it now for a little over a year. Yeah. Yeah. What though, I, I want to get to that in a bit, but I want to hear the background. I want to hear the story behind the man, behind behind the, <laughs> the, the myth, the legend. The, the mystery. So t- we make take it up as we go, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Much the same as us then. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's all good. Take exactly. us back, take us back to the beginning. Not, not too far back, not where your dad got his sparkle in his eye, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, absolutely. But to, to, to how we got started with J3 Outdoors? You, I want well, to know or me. You. Okay, like, I mean, awesome. Um, uh, I can go into that. Um, so essentially, um, you know, I I grew up in Michigan, right? So here in Escanaba, you know, in the home state of Michigan, it's always fun to come to trapping conventions here, um, especially being a trapper in the state of Michigan. In fact, I trap, you know, up here in the UP from time to time. So it's pretty nice being up in, up in this area. But me personally, um, I didn't grow up as a trapper. Um, I grew up hunting um, and fishing. Um, throughout Michigan for the most part um, and so I you know so outdoor um, activities were always kind of in my blood um, I you know as as you go through life and you know you start down your adulthood and whatnot I went into uh, my path was to go into the service so I went into the service um, and spent uh, and spent six years in the service and then uh, it wasn't until I got out um in the late 90s um that i actually started picking up trapping um so i had moved back to michigan and again you know i'm a hunter and a fisherman so you know that's i had never i had never stopped doing that when i was in the service but it was you know something that i really picked back up on um in more earnest um when i got out because i had more time obviously right (laughs) um but so anyway so you know i got back into that and um the problem that i was starting to face was the amount of predator sign um on the grounds i was deer hunting um and i think it's a pretty common thing for most people um these days is they you know especially deer hunters right so they they go through their their season and they're seeing coyotes when they're out deer hunting and you know or they're seeing a lot of coyote sign or fox or whatever but um so i think that's what sparks an interest right as as you start with obviously seeing that game or seeing that sign or sometimes it's just trying wanting to uh spend more time out there Absolutely. and it, it becomes Absolutely. another another season right yeah 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 it, it's it's another hobby that uh, keeps you away from the house right <laughs> good or bad it uh, careful it, you do know my wife is here right <laughs> i don't mean it in a bad way it's just it's one of those things man it's uh it just takes you away from other things that maybe you should be doing you know your honey do list right yeah um, so anyway so i get uh you know i get that 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 kind of uh urge at that point to do um some coyote uh hunting and stuff along those lines and it's funny i you know i was telling people recently that you know i i'm terrible at coyote hunting I was absolutely terrible at calling and, you know, it didn't matter if it was electronic calls, mouth calls, whatever. I was terrible with it. But um, anyway, so so that failure led to trying to explore other ways to take care of my coyote 
issues um and so that's when i turned to trapping right and uh so i started um i started out in i read around 2000 with a couple of bmi canine wolfers um where the where that, that that was my first purchase into the uh to the uh, coyote trapping world whether it was the right trap or wrong trap it's what it was right it's what i went with and um anyways it, it took a few years and uh you know I, I i started you know getting my fair share of coyotes um and then I, I started you know doing a lot of water trapping at the same time right and so here i am i'm running a mixed line um to and from work a lot of the time and uh or i'd take you know two three weeks off you know, and I'd just, you know, run a, run a line, um, Southern Michigan, or I'd go out of state or whatever. So if I could just interrupt yeah. for a sec, um, many trappers, uh-huh. successful trappers anyway, have something to pay for their hobby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really like to refer to it as a hobby, but yeah. the, the reality of it is, is that we often can't get enough ground or enough yeah. land or whatever to, to, to make a full-time living out of. Sure. What is your background? What is your, your actual trade? Okay. So, so my actual career, um, is I'm in IT. Um, so I work on um, IT server and storage infrastructure. I design and architect um, uh, systems for um, a large company out of Southern Michigan um, to meet their product needs. Um, oh, okay. And it, just like a lot of things, man, it, it, it was not the, the path that was chosen um, <laughs> by myself. It was uh, it was one of, it was one of those opportuni- opportunities um, that you just kind of fall into and, and you make the best of it. Right. Um, when I was in the service, um, I was dealing with a lot of electronics and stuff at that time. It was uh, all analog based um, when I you know, as I was in the service, it was switching over to more of the digital era. Um, and so anyways, they sent me to some schooling and stuff like that. And when it time, and when it come time to get out, I took advantage of, of that and, and landed a, a job in Ann Arbor. And, uh, I'll have been there for, uh, 20 years next month. So, wow. um, so I've been at the same place for, for quite some time, but so, so it is really, um, what uh what pays the bills right and and that's what um that's what allows me to go on different you know hunting trips or trapping trips or whatever right so that's exactly. that's that's really um what allows me to do what i do right well f- first thank you for your service well thank you i appreciate that no we we, we need uh, uh good people like you standing on the line and it's amazing how often that sort of dedication to country also shows up in conservation and mm-hmm. trapping and mm-hmm. a lot of trappers have, have yeah. been in the service. Yeah. Good stewards. Yes. You know, yeah. Just, that responsibility yeah. carries right through the, the core being, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, I mean, so that's what, you know, so, so that background, right. So that allows me to, to do, um, what I do and, or at least got me going right anyways, and into the trapping stuff and give me that opportunity. Um, and you know, I drive, I drive an hour one way to work every day. Right. Um, in the fall and winter, why not take advantage of that? Right. And, uh, and, and run a line to and from work. Right. So I'll leave early. Um, and you know, I'll start headed towards work and, uh, you know, my line is always changing somewhat, but you know, I always end up at the same spot in Ann Arbor. I just, you know, sometimes it takes me longer to get there. So, you know, it's during trapping season, but so I'll do that. And then, you know, on the way home, I'll run a slightly different line. Um, and then that evening I'm, I'm putting up, you know, whatever the day's catch was, um, and then rinse and repeat for tomorrow, you know, so it's a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's been, it's been pretty cool. So that, that's really how I got in to trapping right and um really kind of what enables me to be able to to do it is is really the the background that i that i earned right you're an understanding employer yeah yeah very very understanding employer it's amazing where we come from in alberta it's uh oil country and you would be amazed at how many uh companies actually have um 
rules that you know you're not allowed to have a coyote in the back of the truck. <laughs> you're not allowed to, allowed to have a gun or, or anything else. Sure, people are sure. traveling traveling out in the, in the oh, bush yeah. all the time, right? Yeah. And, and taking advantage of that stuff. So, and of course, us being northern Alberta rednecks and that, I mean, it's hunting season. It's hunting season. Right. Right. You know, if I right. get paid to hunt, that's even yeah, better, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, trust me. It's a. It's interesting when I, you know, when I get to work, you know, it's and it's a fairly large company. You know, it's a very corporate environment um and and i'll show up you know i've got muddy hip boots on or you know i smell like a coyote or something like that you know i got you know a truck full of muskrats or whatever you know and i pull up into this uh this corporate garage parking structure you know and i'm kicking off my hip boots and throwing on my my work shoes you know what i mean so uh it's it's a very it's a very interesting um time of year come traffic season and I, I kind of stand out like a sore thumb, but you know, it is what it is. You know, it's just something that uh, something that I'm taking advantage of it, and my employers understand that. Don't open the don't open my tailgate. You know, yeah. when I, when I in, so um, so quite fun. I was going to ask you that where you're trapping to and from work is that all public land that you're on, or do you have permission on private land? It's it's private land. Um, 99% of it is all private land. Um, Southern Michigan is, is is kind of interesting to a lot of people. Um, it's Well, I should say it's different to a lot of people. I mean, like up here in the Upper Peninsula, just west of here is the Ottawa National, or the Ottawa, um, National Forest. And I want to say it's just under a million public acres, okay. right? We don't have anything like that in Southern Michigan, right? And there's multiples of those throughout the Upper Peninsula. And so there's, you know, up here to someone um, asking for private uh, permission, you know, to trap is, it's it's not necessary, right? Oh, okay. So it's totally unheard of, right? When when someone comes downstate to trap with me or something like that, and I, what do you mean we can't trap over there? I'm like, man, there's a property line right there. You know, what I mean, you can't cross that. So Southern Michigan is extremely carved up into private ground, right. and it's a lot of um, small chunks of ground, right? So I'm talking 10, 20, 40 acres. There's a lot of that. The farms are disappearing, right? And they're getting smaller and smaller. So your your a thousand acre or two thousand acre farms, you know, they're now your three hundred acre farms and smaller. You know what I mean? So the ground is just getting um, smaller and smaller. And it's getting more carved up, and so what I have to do and and how I started um, was just door knocking, right? Yeah. Being very respectful, um, trying to you know as you approach uh, these property owners trying to give them some comfort that you're going to treat their property better than what they treat it right and and just that you'll pick up stuff that you find on their property you know you'll pick up trash on their property while you're out there and just little things just showing respect to them right, right. and so i started getting um a fair amount of property um as soon as i started trapping right and for the first few years when you're um when you haven't even begun to polish your craft right and and you're you're struggling uh you you're doing your you're going out after you know th th those private uh permission slips right and so you've got to go do the door knocking and stuff but once once i started getting to where i was decent right and uh people were noticing that i was pulling you know maybe it was 15 20 coyotes off their property or whatever then it the phone started ringing as opposed to me going and knocking on the door right oh that's that's so, a big benefit oh yeah it, oh it's great because i i am not one and i know most people don't like to go and and burden a property owner with you know asking for permission you know it's oh geez i hate it <laughs> but i don't like it i don't like going and knocking and asking but it's one of the things that you got to do if you want to do this sport but um anyway so Funny that, yeah, so there's an area between my home and work where, for the most part, the entire town I can trap. Oh. I, I mean, it's, they're all farmers. They're all um, bicentennial farms. And so deep-rooted family histories in this area, and everybody knows everybody. And I lucked out one day, and I got the permission on the ground I was seeking. 
and they started seeing coyotes spinning out in their fields you know what i mean and then that led to their conversation at church the next sunday that they got a trapper that's catching coyotes you know what i mean it just kind of kept snowballing from there and so now i've got so much ground up in that area i can't trap it all oh. <laughs> you know so, oh, so it's, it's not a it bad fun. problem yeah. it's a great problem you you bring up a very very important uh, fact that a lot of people perhaps don't appreciate but trappers more so than any other outdoorsman has to work hand in hand with landowners has mm -hmm. to be respectful of yeah. them and a lot of times that's a big ask to say you know can i trap an animal on your on your land mm -hmm. and if you don't behave properly you're not going to have a lot mm -hmm. of that uh, uh, success getting those that, that mm -hmm. land to work on right yeah you're absolutely right i mean you so the you know there's obviously everybody has their own personality and approach and all that sort of stuff but i try and go very humbled and reserved right when, when i'm speaking to these property owners and i'll show them exactly what i'm using you know what i mean i'll show them uh you know this is the trap i'm using it's not going to you know it's not going to hurt your dog per se right. you know what i mean if it, if your dog were to get caught but where where do you normally run your dog or you know what i mean if you allow other hunters do they bird hunt you know where do they you know and i try and have an open communication with them so i'm going you know look this is what i'm using this is where I'm going to set it, you know, in these areas. I'm not, you know, obviously you don't know exacts, but if you need to do something or if you're going to allow somebody to come on there and hunt hunt that ground for pheasants or whatever, let me know and I'll come trip my traps. You know, you got to have an open rapport with, uh, with that property owner. Exactly. Right? Um, and I think that that whole respect thing, right? You respect them, they respect you, and it just keeps you coming back year after year. You know it what keeps I mean? them wanting you back, oh, yeah. and then they talk yeah. about you at church oh, or wherever, absolutely. right? In absolutely. In a more positive light. On top of that, I would expect that a lot of these people maybe didn't know a lot about trapping before you came along. So you're educating people along with getting something for them and getting something for you. Right. No, absolutely. So a lot of what I see, um, at least in our... See, we haven't had a coyote problem per se until probably the last 15 to 20 years right right then it really started exploding now i know and i i see historic pictures and stuff right from the from our counties and whatnot you know back in the 80s where people would catch some coyotes and stuff but it was predominantly fox right but now it's really kind of the tables have turned right and so it's really a a, a coyote um overrun area i wouldn't say overrun but it's very very highly infested with coyotes right. um and so these property owners so these farmers like i like i mentioned these farmers they're they're older um farms you know they've been around for you know over 100 years 200 years whatever but um they had an uncle or they had a brother or they had a cousin that used to trap that farm or grandpa yeah, yeah or grandpa but they trapped yeah. it for muskrats or raccoon or yeah. fox you know what yeah. i mean um there's, I in fact I can't think of one at the moment that I trapped that they had one of those relatives that coyote trapped it. You right. know what I mean? Right. So to them it's extremely interesting because they look at that as obviously a predator that's harming their livestock or it's do, you know what I mean? So you you are doing this educational piece like you mentioned, right? So you're trying to show them this is what I use for coyotes, you know, and it's you know when you catch them they want to come out to your truck and look at them and pat yeah. them, you know what I mean? So it's <laughs> it's it's really kind of fun, you know, being able to show them that you know your farm didn't doesn't only hold muskrats anymore, it's also got these coyotes on it yeah, and so exactly. it's interesting to them so you know a couple things that i want to bring up here is one not, they're not used to having to bring somebody in for coyotes coyotes have, have really increased in, mm -hmm. in population all across all across north america they, they're a very successful uh competitor with 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 people so you're probably their first experience with a trapper outside of their family. So in, I always say at the opening of uh, Trapping Inc. that uh, we're the face of modern trapping. Mm -hmm. And she always laughs and says, nobody expected it to look like that. <laughs> I think that's a shot. You know what I mean? I think so. I think so, Rich. I, I, you might want to have a, a, a quick discussion about that when we get off the air here. <laughs> so you're the face. You're representing trapping and yeah. trappers. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a lot of responsibility if you think of it that mm -hmm. way, right? No, you don't want to be right. a slob and create a mess or be 
Steve Gates over whatever open and uh, you you have to be respectful. You talk about the traps that you use. Mm-hmm. Are you uh, you're using then offset and or rubber jawed? Is that the law in Michigan? No, um, I don't use a rubber jawed trap. Um, I use uh, for the most part. It's it's interesting to me because I I read uh, the pros and cons right and and you read and talk to the trap manufacturers pros and cons and you got your live market and your non live market coyote trappers and so you read the pros and cons about the offset versus closed jaw and mm-hmm. so on and so forth so to be honest with you I've gone back and forth between just a regular round jaw and an offset jawed trap. Um, I don't necessarily see a difference in the impact to a coyote's foot. If you set it up correctly where you have a shock spring on it, you have two, three swivels, Mm -hmm. you're going to greatly limit that. I actually think that you can probably do more damage with a rubber jaw in our neck of the woods anyway where we get the incredible cold. Mm -hmm. When it's 30, 40 below, that rubber is just as hard as steel. Absolutely, you absolutely. Know? So I mean, it, then it comes down to you know checking, and mm-hmm. you guys have. Well, and that's that was the other question I was going to ask you. So you you run a line on the way to work, and maybe mm-hmm. a different one on the way home. Mm-hmm. But you're mm-hmm. checking how often then, and what is Once the law a day. in Michigan? It's 24 hours. 24 uh, in hours. Southern Michigan, you have a 24-hour check. In the Upper Peninsula, you know, it changes slightly, but um, Southern Michigan, you have a 24-hour check. Um, for anything that's that's essentially held live, right? Yep. So if you have something, uh, you know, if I have a bottom edge set or something like that, I'm legally allowed to go 48 hours. But um, but no, so you know, I I, I run that 24 um, hour check every day, and uh, um, I'll run that line. I'll run that line for two three weeks, depending on you know what the activity is, and then I'll on my weekends I spend uh, changing it up. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's what I do on weekends. So. So are you setting um, back home once again? We mostly most of our coyote stuff is done off of baits. We, we mm-hmm. run bait piles. Are you working off a of bait pile, or are you working nope. trails and edges and fences? And- yeah. So we're we're extremely agriculture ground in southern Michigan. Um, a lot of bean, hay, corn. You know, a lot of a lot of that ground, um, and a lot of uh, ditches. Right. So there's a lot of so you got a lot of travelways. I guess is what I'm pointing out there with the ditches and stuff. So, so in southern Michigan, I'm predominantly running dirt hole sets. Um, I'm running flat sets, post sets. Um, I started running a lot of blind sets um, for coyotes, so I'm trapping a lot of trails, field edges, um, that sorts of stuff. We don't we don't do a lot with uh, baited sets um, in terms of bait piles. Um, and then my cable restraint season in Michigan, it starts January 1st. Um, and so it de- it's very weather dependent whether I'll cut over January 1st to that cable restraint system or not. I definitely prefer to use foothold traps when I can. Um, but obviously if I'm getting, you know, piles of snow on top of me, I'll, I'll switch that cable restraint system as soon as it comes in, you know. Yeah, but, well, and you guys, uh, to me, it, it's, the whole cable restraint idea is is so foreign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very foreign, because, uh, you know, we're back in Alberta, back in Canada, most most everything is, uh, a, a snare is lethal. Matter of fact, it's going to be a law that we, it has to be lethal within a certain amount of time, probably within the next two years. Mm-hmm. So, for you guys just to try and leash them basically is what your cable restraint is right it has to relax yeah um (laughs) (laughs) you know uh that's a can of worms there um you you know it, it it's it's really a shame the law is the way that it is and and this is in my opinion right i i i don't believe that the cable restraint system is the best system to utilize, um, but it's it's what they 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 bind our hands with. Um, so we have to make that cable restraint system work if we want to trap in certain conditions, right? So what was the focus or reason for them going to cable restraint rather than a lethal well, snare? So it, it was. Um, 
there's a lot of rumors on i don't know if you'll ever really get to to the bottom of it unless you you know speak directly with the you know the the commissioner or something like that but then you know how many how many times did that morph right before he got you know the the reason why he made his decisions but for the most part it, it's come from a lot of the organizations um that push their their focus for running dogs and stuff like that right so it's really the the for the protection of sporting dogs um oh, okay. it, it is really where um there was a big push for it um at least that's what i read in in the publications that i get right um uh at the end of the day, man, I, I look at what the law is and I just try and go by the law. You know, I try and stay out of the political game and the reasons of whys and hows and whatnot because we all know how that stuff works, right? Who's got, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease sort of thing. Well, I think part of it is education and, and mostly because people have no... Um no real understanding of how a snare kills. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't understand that it's the, the compression of the carotid arteries mm -hmm. and the animal just basically grazes out, right. goes to sleep and dies. They right. think they choke to death. Yeah, it's totally so, not that. Yeah, the, 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 the suffocation process mm -hmm. is, is a terrible thing. So there's, there's that. Mm -hmm. And then it comes down to personal responsibilities, right? Yeah. I mean, so many people in... I look at it like this. If your dog ran out in the street and got run over by a car, whose mm -hmm. fault is it? Yeah. It's yeah. yours. It's, yeah. You weren't controlling your dog. And that's the way it is in, in most of, uh, of Canada, mm -hmm. is it's the dog owner's responsibility to have their animal under control because all public land are trap lines there. Yeah. Well, you know, the law still states that that dog owner should have his dog under control, <laughs> yeah. right? But uh, for, for whatever reason, you know, the, the law is the way that it is. And, and it's very unfortunate. Um, my point of view on it is that I don't believe it's humane, right? I don't believe it's the, the, the most humane thing, the way that the way that you restrain a coyote, right? I, I, it just, it doesn't feel humane to me. With um, the restraint. With the restraint, yeah. um, as opposed to going to strictly a kill snare. Um, you know, the, the, the weird thing about Michigan is, is here you are imposing these laws, right? But yet, like you mentioned, the education piece. There is no educational requirement, or at least there wasn't ever an educational requirement when they were authorizing you to go out and run snares or cable restraints or anything like that. So they're saying, all right, you know, here, you know, whoever you are, go out and, and I'm going to authorize you to run this cable restraint, even though you have no idea what you're doing. Really? You know what I mean? Yeah, there, there is, there is no course that you're required to take. Really? I have never taken a trapper's course. I have never taken a, a cable restraint course, a snaring course, anything like that. So now you got these people that are out there and they're running, um, you know, at the time snares, right, or whatever, and they're running them in such a poor fashion. Right. And now you've got the, the grounds for, you know, I guess it, it just provides that negative side of the argument because you have people that are out there running this stuff that are uneducated. Right. Or and so, taught by someone who. Yeah. Was just poorly doing it poor correctly. ethics or yeah. whatever. And it's, you know, so that's a shame. You know what I mean? So you could have approached this whole thing, in my opinion, totally different. Right. right. You could have continued to use the same uh, the, the, the best tool for the job. But you could have educated the people that are actually using the tools, right? Exactly. And and unfortunately, that's not the route that they that they went, or that didn't end up in that manner. So you know when I you know when I speak about you know the, these various things that, that we're talking about right now, I don't want to come off you know too overly negative in in the sense of you know having to use cable restraints and the tools that we use, and you know oh if we just would have educated differently or something like that. You know what I mean? Obviously, there's so many different angles and aspects that go into to making laws and, and and all of that sort of stuff. And I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that goes into it. It's just you know my my very narrow you know viewpoint is is essentially you know what i'm seeing but um you know there's a lot of trappers um that have really you know gotten to use cable restraints um over the last few years and they very the attitude towards them has been very negative right and and i have been towards one the of trapper those. or the cable restraint to the cable restraint to the to the actual law surrounding the cable restraint um the way that the law reads is you, you have to have you know you can't close that 
that cable restraint any tighter than four and a quarter inches. Okay. So one thing that you're going to get with that is a ton of back outs, right? Uh, oh, especially from Fox and so on and so forth. So uh, you, you'll get back outs and stuff like that, but more importantly, you'll get a ton of chew outs right in a cable restraint right so that's one of the issues that you have with a cable restraint with that coyote sitting there being alive now he'll chew he'll chew he'll chew through that cable in no time right yeah yeah um, so that's what so it's been a really kind of a, a negative aspect um of being able to use cable right so so guys were used to being able to run you know a totally different system and more of a lethal system and now you go to this cable restraint and so you're having to learn things all over again you know right um so a lot of guys will try it um and then they'll throw it away and either not trap or who knows what they end up doing right um that's always the biggest frustration though when you've actually had that conversation with the animal and have defeated them or outsmarted them yep. and then to have yep. them lose them on a back out or a chew out or <laughs> yeah yeah even worse if they have shoulder mites or mange sure <laughs> oh, absolutely absolutely so so you know so i was kind of in that same in that same boat right where when we first started to have to use them um it was quite frustrating to to try and uh utilize a, a michigan legal cable restraint and try and hold the animal again just a ton of chew outs and so on and so forth um over the last couple of years though i think i'm starting to defeat the system a little bit so i think i'm starting to to win slightly um and i don't really like to talk numbers or anything like that um but if if my memory serves correctly, I believe I I put 27 coyotes on a cable restraint last year um, in January, and I believe I only had one chew out, which was my own fault, I believe, and I had two back outs, and one of those I I'm, I'm, I know was a fox. So, um, in my opinion, 27 and having essentially three escapees, right? Um, is a whole lot better than essentially being the the polar opposite of that, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and, and interestingly, what I did is, um, you know, I like, you know, being a vendor now, you know, we travel all over, you know, going to these uh, various conventions and stuff. We get to speak to so many great people, you know. Yeah, yes. Legends in the trapping industry, right, that are, uh, they're either trappers, trap manufacturers, snare men, you know, snare manufacturers, whatever, right, just professionals across the board. But, you know, I like to I like to try and be a sponge, right? So I'll try and pick brains and, and try and be a sponge and that sort of stuff and, I was in a very interesting conversation with Eric Space, who is a mink snarer out yeah, of out I, of New Jersey, right? It just blows your mind to even think to think that, right? Yeah, to, exactly. Yeah, to, to, to snare to snare mink is, is just wild. But watching his system and then talking to him, um, talking to him over the course of a, of a weekend, you know, down in uh, down in Pennsylvania. Uh, man, I just I came away with some various ideas, you know, that, that he kind of sparked. And, uh, man, essentially what I did is I just switched over to a stiffer cable. It's slower, right? It's a, right. It's a slower to close cable, so you got to load the heck out of it. Um, but so, I, you know, I switched over to a 1x19, 332nd cable for running cable restraints, you know, and, and you get a lot you get a lot of people that say, man, that ain't going to ever close on a, on a coyote and so on and so forth. But I tell you, man, if you, if you load the heck out of that thing, um, that's a... That's that's a very successful um, piece of cable, right? So I use a, a very high quality Korean cable um, with a 332nd, 1x19 configuration. I'll use a slim lock because we have to use, um, or excuse me, slim lock is what I use on, on my New Mexico snares, but on my Michigan cable restraints, it's a micro lock because we have to use a relaxing. Okay. Um, First here, can, can you tell me what are the specifications of a cable restraint, a legal cable restraint for Michigan? Oh boy, so a Michigan legal um, cable restraint is, so first off you have to have a deer stop that prevents it from closing four and a quarter inches. Okay. Right, so that's the first thing. The lock has to be relaxing, right? So it has to have a relaxing lock. Um, You have to have uh, two swivels um, on your uh, on your cable restraint, I want to say six feet is the length. Don't hold me on that. I believe that's <laughs> that was the last thing. Mine are much shorter, but I, I believe it's uh, six foot is what the max is, and most importantly, is no entanglement. 
right? So, so you, no entangle means means you can't even set where the you entangle. cannot set where you could entangle a coyote. Wow. Yeah, because I mean, you could essentially create a lethal set with that same oh, cable exactly. restraint if exactly. you can tangle them up. We right? do it all the time. Yeah, except right. we instead of it being six feet long, it'll probably be ten or twelve sure. feet long back home. Give but, some runway. But if you'd probably have trouble with it if you had to set it in the Culver's parking lot down the road. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's exactly it, right? So that's what we have to set in, right? So we have to set in, you know, barren ground and, uh, you know, make sure that it's not getting tangled up on anything. So, so I, I mean, as you can probably envision, right? So that gives that animal a ton of freedom with that cable, right? Okay. No and the ability to chew and all that sort of stuff. So going to that stiffer cable has really prevented the chewing right right um but yeah so that system to me has been extremely successful i've been i I started the season before last uh playing with it a little bit and then i hit it um not fully in earnest but i hit it pretty good last year um with that cable restraint system and this season i am confident that uh that that system is going to be a successful tool in the toolbox put it that way you know, before we move on, I just want to make one comment on on the cable restraint. Where we have the people that are writing these uh, these laws, or the people protesting against the uh, cruelty of trapping in that, and they all talk about stress, stressing the animal, mm-hmm. having that animal tied up. To me, it, where it's it's fighting it for for twenty four hours, mm-hmm. or or it's trying to chew out or whatever, is far more stress than. Mm-hmm. You know the average minute and a half or two minutes that mine last in a in a kill snare. Yeah, if they even last that long. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And yeah, that, I mean it's a very bad point, and and you know so it's not even the stress of being held by that cable restraint, but also it's against their their nature, right? To be out in the open like that. Oh, exactly. Being held against their so they can't even get under you know a piece of brush to hide during the day or or, right. or what, to conceal themselves or anything like that. That's stressful, right? right. So yep. man, it's just it's. Just, you're getting me. You're getting me worked up, Rich. <laughs> but I think the big part, um, part of what you said, was education, right? Yeah. So you've taken the time to educate yourself. Yeah. By coming to um, a convention mm-hmm. of some sort and seeking out people who do things just a little bit differently, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably the key to a lot of trappers' success is mm-hmm. taking what they already know and then fine-tuning it to the area that they are. And maybe it doesn't have anything to do with the animal that they're trapping, right? Sure. Like you said, the sure. mink snare is yeah. Yeah. really counterintuitive to yeah. what you would ordinarily oh, think about for mink trapping. So to put those together with a coyote and come up with a successful um, application yeah. is yeah. is really great. But I think that's what all trappers can learn from each other. What I want to talk about now, though, is your Hague's brackets, your Hague's spring clips. They are one of those products that I've learned from and that have increased my success rate. It's been one of those educational pieces for me. Um, long ways from the coyote world for us. <laughs> <laughs> but we've used them in, for, for muskrat. And uh-huh. uh, the spring clip especially, I, I think I could kill every muskrat in the lake with a spring clip. <laughs> talk about how this all started. Okay, yeah. Um, so... First off, I am extremely thrilled to hear any trapper, especially yourselves, you know, that are out there having extreme success with this stuff, right? I mean, it means it means the absolute world to us. Um, but so the way that it started is is one of those uh, necessity type things, right? Um, where the tools that you have um, are impeding. Right, they're not necessarily benefiting you in the manner that fits your style or something like that. Right. So many tools we have, we use because Grandpa did. Right. Exactly. And, and, exactly. And we just don't have a lot of people don't have the time or the or the foresight or vision to see that yeah. it could be done different. Yeah. And that's what I like about yeah. about people like yourself. You yeah. you see that there's a better solution. Yeah. Well, I appreciate. It. So so one of the interesting things and in where kind of the background comes in is. You know, in the Marine Corps, you know, you're taught to adapt and overcome, right? So everything is about adapting and overcoming, right? So any challenge, whatever. And and so that kind of give me, it has always given me that little bit of, you know, intestinal fortitude to drive, right? And get so, up and go again. Yeah, yeah, get up and go. So so that's been, so that's been extremely, uh, you know, important, you know, part of this little journey here. But, but in my career, I'm an engineer, 
right? So I engineer and architect these systems. So your so your your thought process is always trying to improve something, right? Whether it's a process or a or a tool or what you know, you're always trying to improve something. And so here I am. I'm out on out on my water line, and I always like to run uh, a mixed bag water line, right? right. Um, now, now, don't get me wrong. There's definitely you know moments or times throughout the season where I'll go strictly muskrat or strictly mink or something like that. But for the most part, I like to go up a creek because I like to have fun, right? I like to go up a creek, kick in a pocket set. You know, throw down a, 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 a stool set or something like that that's got bait on it or for, a, you know, maybe a soft feed bed or something, right? So I like to, to just do some variety sets as I work my way up this creek or whatever for everything that's crossing it, right? right. Fur trapper, man. I'm trying to take all the fur that I can, you know, in a short amount of time. So anyway, so what I what I was having difficulties with is, man, my... I kept tipping my pack basket over because I kept <laughs> I kept digging in the bottom of it for something, you know. And there is nothing worse than that. Don't you I, hate it? Oh, you need this, you need that. You're constantly <laughs> yeah, back and forth. Yeah, I know exactly yeah, what you're talking yeah, about. So, so here I am, you know, I'm working my way up these cricks all the time. And I'm kind of, oh, well, I want to put in this set. And so now I got to dig for something different, right? And so what I was finding is, man, every time I have to reach in that pack basket for something, I'm wasting time. And you know making I mean? a bigger mess. Making a bigger mess. <laughs> having to dig in the water to, to pick up my tools or whatever. But so, so it's just, you know, from a, an engineering process perspective, it's like, man, you've got to improve this, right? How can you improve it? And so that's when you get into that tinkering stage, right? So it, that's how it started. It started with the necessity of trying to minimize the the disrupt right in on my line and trying to make it more more efficient. And so most importantly you know at the time the 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 couple biggest sets that i were using you know on these cricks is i would use a lot of pocket sets right for for coon and for mink and muskrat and stuff like that but i also really like the vertical adjustable sets right so right. whether i'm setting top edge sets on bridge abutments you know for mink as they're coming off those uh those shelves if you will or if i'm doing like a baited set or something along those lines and you know our our, our drainage ditches that we have in this on this agriculture ground if you can envision like this ditch that's four feet wide or whatever but it's overgrown with grasses right that that lay over and so now you've got this undercut oh right? just a dream oh they're they're beautiful right but you got this undercut that you can't set a trap there because it's 18 inches of water Right. right, it's a it's a, it's it's a strict vertical ledge, right, or a wall. But you know it's the highway. You know it's the highway. So so I so I like setting those. But the problem is, is here you're carrying all this stuff. So you know so so here you know what I'm trying to to come up with is is, is a way that I I don't have to get back into my pack basket for something. You know what I mean? To where I can make my sets. I, I'm not digging for things because it's just slowing me down. Right. So what I'm wanting, you know, you know, just kind of describe real quickly my style there with pocket sets and, you know, kind of vertical elevated sets is I'm trying to come up with a device at this time. You know, and this is 2011, 2012 time frame. I'm trying to come up with a device that I can run rebar stakes through. Right. And I can put it on, say, a three eighths inch rod that I can use for a vertical set. Right. And so I did I did just that back in 2011, 2012 time frame. I had come up with something that I thought was uh, uh, pretty successful. I used it for a number of years. Um, and uh, anyway, so as I was using it more and more, I was like, man, this thing is the ticket. Right. This thing has so many uses for me out on my line that um, I wonder if any other trapper would like to use this. Right. And so now the wheels start turning a little bit, you know, and it's like, well, so I have this device, right, that, that I've been using for a number of years. Um, and, and I'm trying to figure out a way how I can get it out to to trappers so they can be successful as well. And um, unfortunately, my design, it just I, I didn't believe it was manufacturable because it had it required too many secondary operations. Right. And so then it, you, you can't necessarily offer it 
at a reasonable price to people. Yeah, right? that's that's the problem. Yeah, and, and so here I am. I'm not a man. I, you know, I'm not in manufacturing business. I'm not, you know, nothing left. I'm an IT guy, right? Hey, listen, a listen, I'm a home builder, <laughs> right? And we're the guy that has to build it, right? Right, right. You would be the architect, the guy we talk bad about. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you absolutely. come up with these crazy ideas yeah. and we're supposed to make the work. Hey, Rich, make this happen for yeah. me, would you, yeah. buddy? Um, but so, so I got this awesome, I, you know, I got this awesome design and, you know, I'm like, man, I just can't get it manufactured. So I was just using it. Right. And, uh, anyway, so I'm using it for a couple of years and then literally one of them light bulb moments. Right. Um, and, and this is no joke, a 3 a.m. light bulb moment, wake up middle of the night. And I, I turned to the wife and go, I think I've got a great idea. And she goes, what are you talking about? I said, you know that little thing I've been using for the last few years? Yeah, well, I think I got a way to figure out how to make it, you know, a, a more of a single operation type of a design. Nothing to, to break on it. You know what I mean? It doesn't require any screws or welds or anything like that. It's just a, I think I got a really good idea, right? And she goes, all right. So 6 a.m., I'm out in the fur shed, and I'm, you know, got a piece of steel, and I'm beating it around and cutting <laughs> holes and all this sort of stu stuff and um i set it up how i wanted it and i put my trap in it and son of a gun it didn't work the way i thought of it <laughs> so so here i go i toss that thing i toss that piece of steel across the fur shed and um i'm sitting there pouting you know because i think it man i got this great idea or i finally figured out anyways how to make it a, a, a better product than what i had been using and so I'm literally sitting there holding this piece of steel um, between my thumb and forefinger. And I'm going, how can I make this frame end of this trap fit into that? And I look down between my thumb and forefinger. And I'm going, you dummy, it's right there. Put a slot in it. It's all about the slot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So um, anyway, so that's where it really kind of started taking off, right? So within two hours, okay, I've got a, I've got a prototype that's, you know, support, you know, the trap is now supported by the frame end in this slot. And I start just punching holes and I start making bends and stuff like that because my whole, my whole philosophy is, is, is around that engineering side, right? How can I make it better? So I nitpick and critique the heck out of it, right? And so here I got this, this, uh, this device that's on a rod and it's holding my trap. I go, well, what about the guy that doesn't have the rod? Or you once AM FM radio. <laughs> yeah, or once AM FM radio. Right. So how can we put a transistor in it? But, you know, so all this stuff. And I'm going, man, I got to, there's got to be a way to, because not everybody's going to want to use three eighths inch rods. Right. So I start putting different bends in it and I start putting a little bit of different angles on it and stuff like that. And man, one thing leads to another and we've got the hags bracket. Right. And uh, so, you know, and, and, you know, I, I, Throughout the U.S., um, I, I met with with various manufacturers to try to get it manufactured at a at a volume and at a decent price and so on and so forth like that. Because our biggest thing, it, it wasn't about oh here's this million dollar idea, right? It was never that. It was about how can I make something that a trapper can use and be successful. Right. Right. And I always told I always told my wife that is success to me. Right. I, I don't care what the return on it is. I don't. How can we how can we contribute back to the community that I have such an interest in? Right. That, that I am so um, intimately involved in. Right. That, that I that I eat, breathe and sleep trapping anymore. Right. And so um, just being able to be part of the community from that aspect of it. Um, that was, again, that was our, you know, kind of what I defined as success. Right. Right. And so that was extremely important. So now, man, we've got, uh, we've had it out for three years now. Um, we brought it out actually three years ago in New York at the NTA, oh, um, cool. at the national convention. Yup. So, um, this is an anniversary if you will. So, um, <laughs> we should celebrate tonight. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but so anyway, so yeah, so, um, we brought that out and then as soon as we brought it out, um, Obviously, some states can't use foothold traps. Some states have to use body grip traps, so on and so forth. And everybody loves the concept of having a stabilizer always attached to their trap, 
Right. Well, that I think is is the the very first uh, to me the number one achievement you made is that it's always there. Mm-hmm. You're not digging in your pack basket. Yep. You actually put it on the end of your chain. Mm-hmm. It replaces the it, it becomes a swivel on the yep. end of your chain. Yep. Now you take and uh, slide that that bracket down over a three eighths rod, and just the, the fact that it, it the uh, hole in it is is so tight uh, that the weight of the trap on it wedges it in place, and sure. it's in instantly adjustable for the whole yep. entire length of that rod whether it's five feet off the bottom of the of the uh, mud or, or yep. uh, you know inches so to me that's the first success because it's got that low pita the low pain in the mm-hmm. ass factor <laughs> yeah, i'm not looking for it, it, it's, it <laughs> that's my new tagline low pita <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I mean, because for us, I mean, you guys know a little bit about winter, but we know a lot about winter, sure and, and there is just nothing worse than stuff all frozen into mm-hmm. a lump of ice in the bottom of a basket mm-hmm. or anything else. So to me, that was a huge success right there. And the, the second part was was the the universality of it. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't just you could use it uh, there; you could use it for a drowner on a drowning cable. You can use it for uh, you know the larger uh, spring ones will mm-hmm. go on on rebar that kind of stuff, but. We had just gigantic success using our 120 Martin traps mm-hmm. using your spring clip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same idea. Fits permanently on the spring. It yep. does. It doesn't inhibit using the trap for anything else. Mm-hmm. But it fits on there and it and it holds it on that three eighths rod. Well, that with a, a carrot on the. Uh, on the trigger, I tell you what, I could kill every muskrat in a pond with that. <laughs> I'm telling you, and uh, you know, I, I appreciate you saying that. I, I really do. Um, that that was our sleeper, right? So, oh. so so that spring clip to me was our sleeper, right? So again, it wasn't uh, it wasn't our our first prize. It wasn't our flagship, right? No. So it was. And, and when I came, interesting. I don't know if you know this. When I came out with the spring clip first. I designed it to where it fit into the hags bracket. Right. So the hags bracket would be the mechanics to give you the vertical up and down. But that clip had to fit into the hags bracket. It didn't have a hole in it. Oh, okay. It had no hole in it. I was short-sighted. Yes, yes. So, and here I am. I've released a lot of these out to dealers, right, without a hole in them. And about three months had gone by, and they were selling Right, they were selling and so on and so forth, and I'm driving home from work one day. Um, it's not season, so my mind is everywhere else, right, other than on a trap line. But I'm thinking of of that spring clip and another light bulb moment. You dummy, why didn't you put a hole in that spring clip, right? Absolutely. Because remember, it, 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 without a hole, it had to be used with the bracket. And I went. Well, now, from a manufacturing sales point of view, that's a good deal. <laughs> well, y- you would think, right? Yeah. But it's also, an, it had a high pita. Exactly. It was, <laughs> it it was another piece. piece. <laughs> right? Another piece, a secondary piece. Who wants that, right? If you can eliminate a piece. So, um, again, they were selling. But here I am, I'm going, oh, man, I just made a huge mistake, right? And so, anyway, so... I go through another round of manufacturing. I get a you know a semi shipment of these things in, and and I you know I contact all the dealers and I say, hey, this was my mistake. I'm gonna eat this. Um, I I replaced every spring clip they ordered. Wow. Um, I replaced uh, and every now and then there may be one or two customers out there. So if you're listening, come see me at a convention. I'll, if you bought some without a hole in them, I'll swap them out free of charge. So um, free holes uh, with hole. Yeah, the hole is free. Um, so I will swap them out. Um, but yeah, so so as soon as I put the hole on. Right. As soon as I put the hole on it, um, it was like, wow, this thing is magnificent. Right. Well, funny. We the uh, funny part being in Canada, the difficulty we had were getting the three eighths rods. Mm-hmm. And yeah, of course, metric. Sure, sure. So I ended up with 10, 10 millimeter, and of course, which is just slightly larger than mm-hmm. three eighths. Mm-hmm. I had to enlarge the hole, and so it limited how many I could get going in the sure. in my first season with it. So I got a dozen of them going, and. Uh, we set that dozen mm-hmm. three nights in a row. We went 35 for 36 on, 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 on <laughs> yeah. a potential. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Our, our potential catch wow. was 36 and we went 35 for 36. And I think the one I might have might have been my own fault. When you if you watch the show, you'll, you'll see how we used it. But uh, I took and set it so that that, that trap um, 
the uh, trigger on the on the trap was sideways, uh, like parallel to the water, and. If you set it down too low, if the, if you get waves and laps against wave that, will bump it, it sure. will bump that carrot and spring it. And I think that was it was out in an exposed point okay. where, where the one that we didn't have a have a rat in, but I, it is so subtle they swim right up its head level and you know the bottom of frame of a one ten or one twenty is just a footrest for sure, them. Sure, yeah, and it boom, yeah, yeah, you know, quick, yeah, it is <laughs> very, it is. very fast, humane, fast. I mean, yeah. everything about it is, is so. So you're getting success like that, right? Yes. So, so where you're doing a baited, a surface baited set, essentially, um, guys, just extremely satisfied bottom edge type sets, right? Or, right. You know, or uh, culverts, right? Yep. Using them, so, so they'll run a rod right in front of a culvert, slide the the body grab right in front of that culvert, and bam, you know, they're on their way, they're done, and yep. just super, super, super fast. And so, so that's what I said. That was a sleeper to me, right? If it wasn't for you dummy put a stinking hole in the thing, right? Um, I, I don't think it would be as successful. And trappers, uh, I mean, trappers are just loving it because it is, like you mentioned, it's so small. And once you insert it in there, if you insert it properly, it doesn't come out, nope. right? Nope. And so, and so you... It, 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 I don't. I, I just can't speak highly enough about that little spring clip, man. That thing's cool. I, mean, I really like it. I it, like it. It was it was a sleeper to me too because I mean I was I was focused on the bracket. I mean mm-hmm. we do a lot of uh, muskrats with uh, with uh, using uh, footholds and mm-hmm. in our jurisdiction they have to be a drowning set mm-hmm. if you're using a foothold so there was a lot of uh, floats mm-hmm. uh, that sort of thing but you know floats uh, aren't always uh, the, the best situation sure. especially if you're getting waves and of course we uh, we get a lot of wind a lot mm-hmm. of waves to you know northern prairies and and uh, you won't have muskrats crawl up on a float if it's tossing up and down. It's yeah. funny. They'll crawl yeah. up on the log next to it, but that log isn't moving. Right. You right. Know, so, so that makes a big difference. We've uh, had uh, both the the, uh, the spring clip and the, uh, the the bracket for the for the foothold been hugely successful. Like we we did lots of where we'd set you know two floats, two double floats. We'd have a, a spring clip with a. With, with with the uh, the 120 in it, we'd have uh, a couple of uh, footholds on poles, and we we'd get rats on those, and not on the mm-hmm. on the float. So I mean, it, it's not always the number you get out there; it's how productive that number sure, is. Absolutely. Well, and it's also what we load the canoe up with, right? So oh. when we when we take the canoe out on our anniversary cruises that he takes me on. <laughs> yeah. Well, our anniversary is in October, so we're, we're out rat trapping. Sure. On our, yeah, sure. he always calls it the anniversary cruise, so, you know, whatever. But, hey, but you got to take your lady on a cruise once a year, right? Absolutely. I even volunteer to sing. Yeah. That's what you signed up for, Sandy. I, Lord knows I didn't know it, but now I do. But, but when you think about what's in the bottom of the canoe and how many of those floats that we can actually put in the bottom, it's a much simpler, mm-hmm. easier system to use just the the brackets, yeah. the, um, you know, everything that's just on that rod. Yeah, so you got your traps and your rods, you know, yeah. and that's that's really like, yeah. and you bring up a good point. So I like to tell people um, safety, right? Yeah. So just from a safety aspect, you know, if you're trapping out of a canoe or something like that, and you're used to running, you know, bamboo sticks or, or willow sticks or maple sticks or whatever you're running, man, you can't bundle that stuff very good. Nope. It's very insecure. So it's, 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 there's a safety factor with that, right? It's heavy. You bundle, you know, 50 rods, you know, in, in a little three inch piece of PVC or something like that. I mean, it's a lot more secure. Yep. It's a lot less weight, so on and so forth. And uh, you're not carrying, you know, three foot stacks of floats on top of each other. You know what I mean? It's just, th- th- there's something to be had with, with downsizing to that system, right? Uh, besides just the improved catch, that there's there's really safety in it. Um, it's funny, though, too, because we uh, we do a lot of uh, rat control for Ducks Unlimited and Delta Waterfowl. So these are all in uh, projects they have that are all in the farmland, um, uh, private land, basically, in, in, in Alberta. And it gets really quickly. If you, if you go out and you crash a lake, that's what we call it. We call it crashing a lake. We 
we might put out 60 double floats and, and then all of our, our brackets and poles and all that. Now we get more and more poles and somebody tells me, well, you should get more poles because because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise we're making multiple trips with the canoe. Sure. You know, sure. And, you know, trying to paddle in the wind and that, that she's not a big fan of that either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These sound like I'm not a big fan of anything. The, no. SS, the SS Minnow needs a motor. <laughs> and we can't have a motor. <laughs> no, we can't. But we it's kind of funny how quickly it has changed our attitude because we're getting to the point well you know how big is that uh, that lake well now you know we've got uh, about five or six dozen worth of um of spring clips and mm-hmm. and, uh, and brackets set up and I, well we just take the brackets and then we you know we've, we've that, that's all, all we're gonna need and that's just one trip in the sure sure and, and you know so that's the one one trip to go get set up and one trip when you pull them a couple of days later after you've cleaned up the lake right and it, it's a lot less work it's it's amazing how how well yeah. that has worked you know yeah we engineer for laziness it's the PETA thing absolutely <laughs> no but uh, again I, I really appreciate you guys using it and and having some success with it um to me again that that's that's been the 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 big what is defined as success on on my side right um we have never been people to to uh put up with useless stuff yeah never uh you know it can be the greatest product have the greatest reuse for everybody if it doesn't work for me it's not with me yeah and absolutely i just i don't have time for it right because it at the bottom of it all we are still trappers no matter whether we do tvs and tv and podcasts or whatever we're still trappers and if if i can't not having success that takes all the all the enjoyment of of my life out of it and and that that ain't gonna happen you still you still Kick it in the mud, right? And, yeah, exactly. And you, you've only got so many seasons. Why, why waste time, you know, I doing know, it with something unsuccessful, right? We're, we're kind of unhappy that there's only four months out of the year that we can't trap. And a, lot of you, <laughs> a lot of you folks that we're talking to here at, uh, on the grounds at the NTA, they have like an eight-day season. And yeah. they, for, for, for coyote, no, that's for everything all year long. Eight days? Yeah. Wow. That, that that that'd be miserable. Oh my yeah. gosh. That would be yeah. miserable. Oh my But God. I think the great thing about this is, we used to think about old time trappers, and they didn't have the method of communication that we have mm-hmm. today. But a lot of them were closely held personal secrets. They didn't want to tell anybody how they were catching a mm-hmm. marten, a fisher, a muskrat, a coyote, or whatever. And now, we live in an environment where we've got access to information. But but more than that, we've got people like you who are who are looking to make life easier for mm-hmm. trappers. And when you can get that word out and more people are using it, it just makes a much yeah. better community, oh, it's, right? It's great. It, and, and, you know, the thing is, is we're no different than, than that trapper walking by right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because every one of us tinker. Yep. You know, oh. it, it's it's a, it's a matter of of r- refining whatever it is that you're tinking, tinkering with enough, and then just saying heck with it, let's do this. You know, yep. and, and uh, let, let's introduce this to, to the community and, and make the trapping community um, even that much more successful. And so yeah. it's it's fun, man, and, and I love coming to these conventions and hearing from, you know, hearing from kids. Oh my yeah. goodness! We hear from so many kids. The the one thing, the, the, so I, I touched a little bit on safety before, you know, in a canoe. But from a parent's perspective, right? So I don't know if you thought about this. One thing that we get a lot of is, you know, obviously a young kid can't go in deep water, right? Nope. He, he's up over his head. Um, but a dad can set a trap, slide a bracket on a rod, put that trap in that bracket hand the rod to the kid and that kid can put that rod anywhere he wants in that pond from the shore you know what i mean yep. Yep. or maybe it's from a canoe or whatever but that's his set yeah he never gets his yeah. he never gets his hands inside that trap you know what i mean but he gets to put that trap where he wants right you can't do that with a pocket set or you can't do that with anything. you got to put your hands on that trap here you're using the rod Right, whether you're using the, the, the body grip or whether you're using a foothold, you, you can hold that rod and put that trap wherever you want. Yeah. Right? That's right. And so these so we get dads that come up to us all the time and go, Man, my five year old kid just caught fifty muskrats last year. I'm going, Well, how the heck did he do that? You know? <laughs> That's fantastic. It's like, man, I set the traps for him and hand him the rod and he sticks it where he wants it. I'm like, that is sweet, you know. Um so that that's been really really cool you know it's been a really cool piece of access for kids the safety as you say and then it just 
it builds that natural curiosity and mm-hmm. they've got success so that builds yep. on more success and yep. then you've got now a trapper now, now yeah now it's what's next what's yeah. next now, now i'm now i'm outer trapping i'm beaver trapping i'm coyote trapping i'm fox yeah. trapping you know what i mean and, and yeah the, the, this it's phenomenal you know they it's are absolutely the future. absolutely they are the absolutely. future and yep. and we need a lot more of yep. that you know it's sometimes a little depressing to come to these events and see how old we're mm-hmm. getting. Yeah. yeah. Well, you are. I'm not. But well, <laughs> I'll never catch up to you. I know that. <laughs> Time takes the same for me as it does you, buddy. This has been ticking longer for us. <laughs> yeah, right? And yeah, we probably married longer than he's been on the earth. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> but. We want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day here yes, at sir. the... Uh, 59th National Trappers Association Convention to come talk with us. We sure appreciate it. You're uh, a, not only a, a great uh, vendor and manufacturer, but you're a heck of a representative of, of the trapping industry. I, I, and I, I trust me, I don't take that lightly. I, I fully appreciate every word that you guys say. Um, definitely appreciate it. I, I appreciate you seeing that. Um, and again, like I said, I appreciate using our stuff. Um, Man, this is this is what we are, right? We're we're trappers, I guess. As you say, we're we're the we're the new face, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad thing, right? you know. When you're out there and you are you're the face of trapping, it makes people a little bit more mm-hmm. inclined to participate. I think. Yeah. 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 So, again. Thank you guys, and I do want to say your guys' show is awesome. Love watching it. Um, if you're tuning into this podcast and you haven't seen Trappin' Inc., tune in. It uh, it, it will uh, definitely be some 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 TV worth watching. Put it that way. Well, thank you very much. You're we welcome. have lots of fun out there doing it, so it's <laughs> it's, it's great when people watch and and uh, we've actually it, our our reach seems to be expanding here just based on the number of people that we've encountered on the grounds this weekend. It's getting hard to get to the washroom. <laughs> Sometimes it's nip and tuck whether I got to talk to another person or whether I'm going to get through the door. <laughs> well, it's it's a great show, and and you guys as well are great representatives of of the trapping community, and it's been a pleasure to to be associated with you in the way that we are. So, thank you very much. Thank you, and. For everybody out there listening to this, we can be uh, found at trappinginc.com. There are links there to our Amazon Prime feed, and there are links there to our YouTube feed or Facebook. Come check us out, and we will hope to see you all here again in about two weeks. Thank you. (music) Thank you.